Again, we want to say Happy Father's Day to all the fathers here. You know, we appreciate our fathers. And, you know, there's actually an aspect to fatherhood and fathers that, that relates very closely to the last days in that sense with our series we've been having because, you know, we have a heavenly father, but he's also calling us to that place of being fathers and mothers in Christ. You know, there's that thought of our progression and our walk. We've often related it to the tabernacle of Moses and the three sections there, the outer court, holy place, and holy of holies. And John talks about three levels of spiritual maturity, little children, young men, and, and fathers. But one thought that you get from the tabernacle is that in the outer court, speaking of little children, there's no covering. It's just open sky and whatever is happening, whether it's rain or who knows, mosquitoes, birds buzzing you, all those things you can think of that comes with open sky, that happens in the outer court. But when you progress on into the holy place, speaking of young men and women in Christ, of growing and maturity, there's a covering there. There's a protection. And then, of course, you go into the most holy place. You're, there's even a further protection because you're not just under the covering of the tent. You're under the covering of the shadow of the Almighty. And so there's diff- three levels, you could say, of, of a covering. The first one, there, there is no covering. And so... We, in the, especially when you're considering the last days and how the enemy is going to be able to attack believers, well, we can, we can tell, you know, the category of believers that are at the most risk are those who stay as little children. But as the scriptures say, we're called to go on to know him. Because not knowing him has, is a destroyer of the people of God. The safety and covering is found as we go into his presence. But in one sense, that also speaks of developing the heart of a father and a mother in Christ. Have you ever really thought about that? The God of the universe, the King of Kings, represented himself. You know, the term that we most often use for him is our heavenly father. That's how Jesus referred to him, our heavenly father. That's how he wants to be known. That's how he wants us to experience him, to know him, to understand him. And, and you know, I think that's how the Godhead represents himself. And, you know, of course, we believe natural fathers are very important. But yet God is calling us into that place of the spiritual because that's where, where God really reveals himself. You know, as much as we honor our, our mothers, we have Mother's Day and we have Father's Day because we recognize the role of the father is very important in the family and in society. In fact, they've done study after study um, to see the necessity. Is, a, is a, the role of a father a necessity, and they found um, there was one specific scientific study where they examined the lives of children who grew up in different environments, some with both parents, some had a mother and a father, some only had mothers, some only had uh, fathers, and they, they found that those who have a father figure in their lives are the least likely to get in trouble 
later in life. They're, they're more likely to have a, a you know, stable uh, place in society and more likely to succeed. Um, of course, when they don't have it, they're more, more likely to get involved in wrong relationships, uh, wrong friends, leading to drugs and crime and so forth. That role of a father, it's, it's very much downplayed uh, by society, but it's so needed. And this instability we see in young people and in the young generation is really because of that lack of people who will be fathers. You know, as, as Paul said, you can have 10,000 instructors, but there's very few fathers. When a father's there, it brings stability, peace, joy, uh, because that it's as a family was designed to be. And as we mentioned, the role of the father is modeled after our heavenly father. And he is the one who gives us all of those good things, stability, direction, guidance, showing us the way we should go. Even, even unsaved fathers can instill those godly qualities in their children because they're occupying that role that God designed of the Father. It's kind of an amazing thing to think about how even someone who doesn't know the Lord can put godly qualities in their children because they're occupying that role that God created them for. And so there's something very special and necessary in the role of the Father, but I would say even more when we're considering Christians and believers in the, in the last days, it's really the heart of a father. That's, that's where God wants to bring us to. Because it's that need to come to maturity, bringing other, us coming to maturity ourselves and bringing others to that place of maturity, stability, receiving those good things from the Lord. And understanding this concept of a, of a, a father's heart, I wanted to look at one of the parables with you. And, and when you, because I, I, I think there's such a vivid contrast between the heart of a son and the heart of a father in this parable. And, and actually, it, I, I think this parable shows us, you know, because there's two sons in the parable. One is a, one's a good son, one's a prodigal son. Hint, hint, which one we're going to read. All right. Um, one has a heart of love and compassion because he's a father and he's looking out for the needs of, uh, of his son. But then there's that, the prodigal son and you see his heart is just about himself. But what I think this is, is, is we can kind of see the full spectrum because even for every believer, here's a picture of where we come from and where God is taking us to. We all start off as the prodigal <laughs> in our lives, but God wants to bring us to the place of a father or a mother in Christ. And so let's read this section in Luke 15 and verse 11. And Jesus said, a certain man had two sons, and the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me. I don't know if anyone carries their, their regular paper Bible, but that's a good phrase to underline. This indicates the heart of the son. Father, give me. I want it. That was the mentality he had, the give me mentality. 
Does anyone recognize that in the generation out there? Give me. Give me the portion of goods that falls to me. I want my inheritance now. That's where his mind was. That's where his sight was, his heart. And so the father divided unto them his living. Verse 13, he got that, that inheritance. Not, it didn't take too many days before he had that money and he was off on his journey of self-fulfillment, doing whatever there. And of course, when the problem with us is when we can get everything we want, it turns into this. And there he wasted his substance with riotous living, doing whatever he wanted to do. And so here was the son. He lived in his father's house. He had a godly heritage. He had everything going for him, but his heart turned to what he could get. And that's something we have to watch for as believers. Even as believers raised in the house of God, we have a nature that inclines or is inclined because we were born with this sin nature that it's inclined to give me. What can I get? What can I seek after that will uh, fulfill and not, not necessarily the, the things of God, but the things of our fleshly desires. And that's our inclination, and we have to be careful of that. It's a trap that the enemy has tried to get us, get mankind to fall in from the beginning, and he's been very successful, unfortunately. That message of what can I get, and I think you could say the prosperity message can fall in within that confines, looking for what they can receive, or, you know, even, even give me a quick answer. Give me my portion. Give me a blessing. It's not bad to ask God for a blessing, but yet we consider what is the blessing? What is the purpose of the blessing? Is it to fulfill me or is it to fulfill the plan of God? Now, I want to balance this because it's not necessarily wrong to ask God for things. In fact, Jesus made it really clear the last night he was on earth, he told us four times, ask of me, and it's, it's my pleasure to give it to you. James also tells us, we have not because we ask not. So we don't, I don't want you to say, oh, I need to be careful of asking of God. No, we, we ask for God. The problem lies is when we forget what we were created for, to bring him pleasure. Revelation 4 and verse 11, it says, Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power, for you have created all things, and for thy pleasure they are and were created. And that's something we just have to keep so close to our hearts and firmly in our hearts. It's okay to ask God for things. It's okay to seek him for things. But yet at the end of the day, it has to be for his pleasure brings him pleasure that we do well and that we were successful in that that sense but yet when it starts to be about us that's where we deviate from bringing him pleasure now returning to the prodigal son in that story uh, we see we start to see a change because there was a change in in the season right he it says he wasted all his substance but then what happened a famine came God orchestrated that just right. Just when his, his funds ran out, he came to the end of his funds, the famine came, and he found himself desire, not just desiring a good time, but desiring even just food in his belly. 
But the only food available was the unclean food given to the swine, to the unclean animals. And it says, at that point, he came to himself. That means he, he saw the reality of what he had done, the choices he had made, what he was doing, the direction he was going. He came to himself and he had that realization. Now, unfortunately, he had to go that full road you know, to, before he came to himself. Sometimes God has to give us time to allow us to come to our senses. And that's an important truth. You know, sometimes you can try and explain the truth to people and show them, you know, the way they're headed and they just don't get it because you have to let the situation play out for them and let them come to the end of themselves. Sometimes just sharing the truth brings them to the end of themselves and they see the light and they're, oh, I'm headed the wrong way. I need to get on the right way. Other times they have to come to the end of the road and go to the school of hard knocks and all that. But in, in Luke 15, 17, it says, when the son came to himself and he said, how many hired servants of my father's have bread to eat and spare? They can eat all they want. And I'm dying of hunger. I'm going to arise and go to my father and say unto him, father, I've sinned against heaven. That, that's a statement there. It wasn't just that he sinned against his father. He realized, I've sinned against God. I've sinned against heaven and you. I'm not worthy to be called your son. Now, here's another phrase to underline. Where before he said, give me. Now he's saying, make me as one of your hired servants. That's a change. Change of mentality. Before he said, just give me. Give me what I want. But now he's come to that realization, Lord, make me. Or maybe another phrase that would coincide with that is, Lord, change me. Lord, I need to change. I need to be transformed. Make me a servant in your house. You know, I think this is, this is the prayer that God really is desiring to hear and wants to hear because he can work with it. You know, we can... He, he will answer our prayer when we say, Lord, give me. There's certain things we need, and he delights to, in the prosperity of his servants. But, you know, there's, that's, there's only so much he can do with that because there's not a change associated with that. But when our, our cry is, Lord, I need to change. Lord, make me like your servant. Make me a, a man or a woman after your own heart. Lord, you've revealed something in me. Change that in me. Make me. That's what I think truly brings him pleasure. You know, he created us to bring many sons and daughters to glory. And that's the kind of prayer that leads us in that way. We become glorious when we're changed and transformed. And so the son came to the end of himself and realized, I need to be transformed. Even I'll transform myself into a servant just so I could be under in my father's household again. But the end of the story, uh, it, when you consider it, it's not just the son returning, is it? That's not just the story and the glorious part of it is not just, okay, the son made it back in and the father was nice to him and said, okay, you can come back if you're good. 
that wasn't how the story ended. The, uh, in fact, the, the glorious part of the story is how the father received the son. It says in, in chapter 15, it says, the father saw the son a long way off coming down the road. It was like the father, it wasn't just he saw someone walking up to the house. He said, a long way off. It was like he was sitting, sitting there looking for that son. He saw him. So you get the feeling that was maybe something he did a lot, that he was just kind of considering and maybe praying for his son, Lord, have mercy on my son. And just looking at that road, hoping that one day he would see him walking back. When the son came, the father was ready to receive him. There's another part of the story too, isn't there? The older brother. Remember the older brother? Uh, you know, he was not as enthusiastic as the father, <laughs> to say the least. The older brother was a little upset that his wayward younger brother came back and the father greeted him and, and had a, slayed the fatted calf and had a celebration for him. Um, you know, the difference was the older son was good. He was faithful. He didn't leave. He supported his father, obeyed him, stayed in the house. He didn't lose his reward. He continued and had the full inheritance. But yet there's a lack in him, isn't there? And when you consider it, what was the lack that the older brother had? Even though he was good and faithful and upright and righteous, what he lacked was the heart of a father to restore, to bring back. And I think that's really one of the, the most important lessons from this parable is, is the father's heart to restore and to see others come to maturity to see others built up and come to glory or come back to glory. I think in the last days, we're going to see a lot of people who used to walk with God and there's people who have been to church and they're not in church anymore. They're not following God or maybe they messed up or so forth. A lot of fish are going to be brought in with the net of revival in the last days and what God needs in his laborers' hearts is a father's heart to restore and one area we can consider with that older brother is he was reluctant to just wipe away the sins of his younger brother, wasn't he? It's like he didn't want to forget it as fast as his father did. His father was just willing to totally forgive and forget what the son had done. But the older brother was, hey, I'm, I'm not ready to forgive him so quickly. For he, he was off doing his own thing and I had to take up his work and you know, more work for me, and I was faithful, and he wasn't. And there's a thought there that one thing that can keep us back from the fullness of God, from being hidden under the shadow of the Almighty and, and going within the veil of being a, uh, having that heart of a father or mother is that thought of unforgiveness. You know, of that thought of he, he was having a hard time the older brother was having a hard time letting go of what the other younger brother had done to him and his father. And, you know, it can be hard when, when things have been done against you. It is hard. It's hard to, to let those things go. But in reality, if we don't, it'll keep us from going on. It'll keep us in that place of just being the son, but not 
the heart of the Father. It'll always be there like an anchor. Now, hope is to be an anchor for our soul, but this is, this is the wrong type of anchor, right? It's the anchor that keeps us from going on, of dwelling in the presence of God. But the Father, he had a different perspective. He wasn't going to hold on to the past. He was looking to the future of what God could do, and he ended up doing in the life of his son. And it's a perspective that saw beyond the current state of the prodigal son of what he could be. It wasn't an unreasonable perspective, right? Not everyone is going to be restored. I think we understand that. There's some people who have left the flock of God and they're not going to be restored because they're not willing to submit to to him. But I think what the heart of God is seeking after are those who are willing to restore and to forgive and to love as he loves. Now, just a couple thoughts here as we, we close up. You know, what is the Father's heart? I think we can understand that by considering how the Lord revealed himself to us. One of the ways he revealed himself was to Moses in Exodus 35 and verse 4, where Moses said, Lord, show me your glory. And the Lord said, he descended in a cloud and stood with them and proclaimed the name of the Lord. And the Lord passed by and said, the Lord God, merciful and gracious and long-suffering and abundant in goodness and truth. You know, that's, that's the heart of the Father kind of right there. He's merciful. I'm glad that's the highest attribute of God. He's merciful. He set up, you know, in, in one sense, we're under the shadow of the Almighty. And what is that called? That's the mercy seat. We're hidden under his mercy. I'm so grateful for that. But there's, there's an aspect of that that God shows mercy to the merciful, doesn't he? And so if we're going to receive his mercy, then we have to have a heart that shows mercy. You know, the other son in the parable had good qualities, but he didn't have a lot of mercy towards his, his younger brother when he came back. And, and as, I, as I said before, we're not to have unreasonable expectations. There's some people that will not receive the mercy of God because they have refused God and his ways. In fact, God said to Moses in Exodus 33, 19, he said, I will show mercy on whom I will show not on whom we would show mercy. God says, I'll show mercy. It's my prerogative. I'll show it to whom I will. And so we recognize God has the perfect perspective for who he will show mercy upon. He sees everyone's hearts. But the ultimate quality of a father is mercy. And it's one we want to emulate. He, he, the Lord also told Moses he is gracious. He's gracious. The definition of being gracious means to bend or to stoop in kindness to an inferior. And it's kind of the idea of being kind to someone who doesn't really deserve it. That was the characteristic of Jesus in his ministry. He spoke to the crowds, and those crowds were full of Pharisees who were hypocrites and so forth. But it says this in, in Luke 4 and 20, verse 22, it says, that the crowds wondered at the gracious words that proceeded from his mouth. He, he was just full of graciousness 
to everyone, whether they were followers of God or hypocrites. His words were gracious. You know, that's in one sense, that is the heart of the Father. Sometimes as teenagers, we know that teenagers can sometimes be, you know, <laughs> not relate to parents well because they get their own ideas and, and so forth. But uh, that doesn't really change how the parents relate to the children because they have that heart of a father and mother. And that's the quality that God wants us to have graciousness towards others, even overlooking their faults because that's the heart of a father. Long-suffering. This is where we see this working in the, in the heart of the father in this parable, right? He, he prayed and trusted and waited upon God for a long time to see his son restored. He was looking down that road until one day his hope was fulfilled and his son came back. So a father can sometimes suffer for a long time, but that's a quality of our heavenly father. And thank God for that because he waited for us. And then lastly, abundant in goodness and truth. Now, the Father is abundant with these two things, goodness. God told Moses, I'll cause all my goodness to pass before you. And one of the interesting acts, aspects for the Hebrew word for here for goodness is beauty. I'll cause my beauty, the beautiful aspects of the Godhead to pass before you. You know, we are to proclaim and be an example of the beauty of Christ. All of his goodness, we're to, to let that be seen in other people. There's no evil in someone who's good. And we want that to be our testimony, that people look at us and say, they're a good person. That's the goodness of God being seen in others. And then abundant in truth. You know, God is merciful, but he's always truthful. He never lies. And so he is full of truth. God will be very merciful, but he will always do what's right in a situation. And, and that's a wonderful picture of the heart of the Father. And so as we consider this story of the prodigal son, we see the comparison in these, the hearts of, of, the, of the sons and the father. You know, we realize it's a journey from where we come from to where God is calling us to be, the end of the matter, where he would take us. And so that the cry of our heart changes from Father, give me, to Father, make me. Make me like you. And as that becomes our cry, we can come into that place of having the heart of a father or a mother in Christ. But in doing so, we come into that place, the greatest place of safety, and hope as we hide ourselves under the shadow of the Almighty, both now in our lives and in the last days when we will really need that. Well, we, we need it now, but we will really appreciate that being our dwelling place in the last days. Amen. Father, we just thank you. Thank you that we can call you our Father. You're not just our King. You're not just the Lord of Lords but you're our heavenly father. And we're so grateful that we can call upon your name in such a way. And Lord, thank you for what you've done in our lives. We recognize how all of these qualities, we've seen them and experienced them. Your mercy, your graciousness, your goodness, your long suffering, 
And Lord, we, we recognize as well, you're calling us into the most holy place to dwell with you, but in doing so, becoming like you. And so, Lord, we make that our cry this morning. Lord, we cry out to you, make us your servant. Make us like you. Lord, if there's any area in our lives that you need to change, Lord, our cry today is, oh, change us, Lord, and make us like you. Lord, cleanse our lives. Give us the heart of fathers and mothers to be gracious as you have been to us and to restore and to build up. We just thank you for it, Lord. We look to you and we bless you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you.